At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Hey everyone, Paige Harlock here from Canada's 2S LGBTQI Chamber of Commerce, also known as the CGLCC. Don't worry, Rick is here with us too. Hey Paige, great to have you back again this year. On the show this month, we have another great lineup of 2S LGBTQ founders. We're so excited to speak with these passionate entrepreneurs, diving into their stories and business journeys, and most importantly, honoring pride as a celebration of identity, culture, and contribution. Pride is a protest of historic and current discrimination and is a lived identity deserving of respect, rights, and equal treatment. We can't wait to share these episodes with you. A huge thank you to Paige and CGLCC for partnering with us to make this happen. Let's get started. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we are thrilled to have Jolene Beauregard we are talking to in Whitehorse, Yukon. Jolene is a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, and the owner of Sunrise Nutrition, where they support individuals to find joy in food and cooking while supporting themselves and their health. Jolene has a bachelor's in human nutrition from Toronto Metropolitan University and completed a dietetic internship centered on rural, remote, and First Nation health through the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. Jolene has a passion for nutrition and a love for working with people and their families, and we are so excited to speak with Jolene today. Jolene, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course, we're excited to have you. And, and I guess just to start it off, I get what's the top piece of advice you want our listeners to take away from today's conversation? Yeah, I think the top piece of advice that I have for both nutrition and for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, is that it's not as hard as you think it is. And if you, with for entrepreneurs, I would say if you have a good idea or you have a good product and the business side is what's holding you back, there are just so many supports out there. It's You're never in it alone and it really is not as hard as you're making it out to be in your head. And especially in Whitehorse, we have lots of supports. We're so lucky up here. I mm-hmm. hope we get a minute to talk about that a little bit later on because there are just really amazing people to help out. And with nutrition, as I said, also, it's not as hard as you think. Mm -hmm. I think we get caught up on really nitpicky things with nutrition. And this is because the world of nutrition is so closely beside diet culture and wellness culture. Mm -hmm. But really eating consistently, eating enough, eating a variety is 90% of the battle. And that's easier said than done as well. And that's why I have a job, I guess. But really 
just letting yourself be intuitive with these things and and following your gut, I guess, uh, no pun intended. (laughs) Amazing. And I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs that have kind of mentioned that being an entrepreneur can be lonely and finding that community can really help. And adding being a part of the 2S LGBTQ plus community to that can make it potentially even lonelier. What kind of supports have you found as an entrepreneur and uh, being part of the community? Yeah, in Whitehorse, we have a really amazing organization called Uconstruct. And what this sort of society does is they have a co-working space, which is really amazing for us solopreneurs because it's people that can either rent a physical desk or hot desk a little bit and can be working on different projects in the same space, which is really amazing. And everybody is like super communal and super open to discussing and problem solving. Uconstruct as a whole is really supportive of creating opportunities for small businesses. And then they also provide what they call pathfinding services, Mm -hmm. which is support to entrepreneurs in figuring out that business side of stuff. Um, Yeah, it's really amazing. And it's free as well, which is amazing for people starting out especially. And then they also do like education for entrepreneurs so they have like a business boot camp and things like that which is really how I got more involved with the organization was doing the business boot camp in the fall and it was eight weeks sort of a crash course on how to start a business and how to really like get your feet under you in a business Mm -hmm. which I think is a little bit different than just starting out too. This is Rick. Um, I was lucky enough to be part of a Startup Canada tour that, that, that hit White Horse several years ago. And of course, we just had the, the, the tour there uh, for 2023 in April. Now, when I was there, I remember uh, when I was there several years ago, I remember that they had built, I think, a snowplow out of, out of like just junk <laughs> material and steel that was hanging around. And, uh, and, and people were always clamoring to, to, to borrow their snowplow. Is that still the case? Do you know if you construct still has that snowplow there? I haven't had heard about the snowplow. That's hilarious. I love it. This team, so I guess the other side of you construct um, that I'm less involved with is that they also have what they call the make space. Right. And it is similar to the co-space, similar to hot desking but basically for the trades. So they have a wood shop, they have a metal shop, they have a sewing loft, um, a 3D printer, like laser printer, all sorts of cool things. And really there's just like so much of a why not and let's do it attitude in this building on both sides. And it brings some really cool projects into fruition. Um, So I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, 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 that the essence of that spirit is, is still being carried on. Who knows what happened to the snowplow? Maybe it's buried somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure it's around somewhere. <laughs> right. Can we talk about uh, your journey now, Jolene? Um, let's go back to the start. How did you get into the nutrition space and, and what motivated you to do that? Yeah, everybody always asks um, just why dietitian um, to begin with, which is a good question because I think it's not a profession that people think of right off the hop. But I do have a lot of personal medical history, especially as a child. I had some pretty serious diagnosis at the age of two. And so I really grew up in sort of the world of medicine and was lucky enough to also grow up in the world of summer camps because of that diagnosis. And so 
being sick when you're a kiddo means that a lot of decisions are made for you. And really with that, the one thing that I was able to hold on to um, and have control over and have autonomy over was what I ate and, and how I interacted with food. And this continued to be true at the summer camps. And I continued to see, you know, if you've never had the pleasure to be at a children's summer camp, the dining hall is just where it's at. <laughs> um, as far as connecting with people and singing and amazing food and so many desserts and just all of the things. Um, and snacks. And so many snacks and so much good food and so much connection over food. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've really held on to. So th- I knew both that I had this amazing connection to food and that I had in many ways, amazing connection to the medical world. Um, I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. And so when I found out dietitian, it just really made sense to go into that field. And I started school. I was lucky enough to be somebody that picked right the first time. I know lots of people are not so lucky um, and find other amazing paths. But the more I learned about nutrition, just the more I wanted to know. And that for me was affirming that I was in the right field. And it's just been an amazing ride since, honestly. And how did you get to Whitehorse? Great question. Um, that That is the ultimate Yukon question. That is the conversation <laughs> starter in the Yukon and when people hear that you're from the Yukon, for sure. So like many people's story, my answer is I moved here for a six-month contract, and that was five years ago. Wow. Yeah, I, I moved up. I was lucky enough to have some connections through mentors and colleagues that suggested that I apply to a job at the hospital up here, and that was that six-month contract. I moved up in November and was supposed to leave in April. And as anybody will tell you up here, you can't leave in April. You can't leave in summer. <laughs> um, so I was told that pretty quickly. And by about February, I had lined myself up a permanent job with continuing care. And wow. so I moved over to a long-term care home. I was there for three and a half years. And yeah, I have never looked back. I absolutely love it up here. And t- tell us uh, uh, just a little bit about Sunrise and, 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 and the various things you offer. Yeah, so my business started actually in 2020, right before the pandemic. I did know that the pandemic was coming or was starting, I guess. And I had taken on at that time a contract with the prenatal nutrition program or the Healthy Babies, Healthy Futures program here. And that program supports all eight of the sort of baby and family supporting programs across the Yukon. And that was sort of my dipping my toe in the water of business. And I was doing it sort of off the side of my desk of working with continuing care as well. Mm -hmm. And then that expanded into seeing clients. Over the pandemic, I was into and out of an office space and then moved over to the coast base here. And then in December 2021, I decided to um, decided that I was going to pursue it full time and have been doing it for almost a year. It'll be a year in May that I've been fully self-employed, which is very exciting. And that has really given my business a chance to expand in so many ways. 
and I have a lot of ways that I interact with the community now. Yeah. And how are you looking to kind of expand and what are your what are your plans? Yeah, right now we're doing a couple of things. So we're doing nutrition counseling, which is sort of one-on-one similar to seeing a a therapist or a massage therapist or something Mm -hmm. like that, one-on-one support for meeting nutrition goals, whatever those may be. We also do community and program support, which is collaborating with other groups or organizations within Yukon to add a nutrition education or food-based component to their program and support that. And then we also do workshops, things like cooking classes, meal prep workshops, sort of crash courses to make those sorts of things easy. And then the new initiative that just launched in May is we are actually doing grocery boxes. And what those are, yeah, are curated boxes of staple produce that people can purchase or subscribe to we do or we offer it once a week Mm -hmm. and they are both focusing on affordable food options which is a barrier in Whitehorse and the Yukon Mm -hmm. and also focusing on options for small households. Um, A lot of our produce up here is available really only in bulk or the sort of loose being able to grab one or two carrots are the things that sell out first. And so gaining access to um, some of these boxes are curated for small households especially. So it's a new and different option for groceries in the Yukon. And we also offer delivery, which is not something that is available at our grocery stores up here. And so really focused that project was focused around accessibility and affordability and just getting good food to people. And when you say curated, Jolene, um, I'm just wondering, does that mean is, is it like customized to individual to the needs of individual customers or households? Or is it just a matter that you've gone in and broken down bulk things and sort of have a, a I don't know, a formula or something for saying, okay, this is what the average household needs for a week? Yeah, so they are set boxes. They do change week to week a little bit, and they will change seasonally, especially as we have better fruit and things up here. But they're, yeah, so they are, sorry, set boxes, and the staples that are in them are just things like apples, bananas, potatoes, onions, um, like really things that people would be buying regularly anyways, um, Mm -hmm. but just in a more accessible way. And do you find accessibility um, to be something that is accessibility to nutritional foods specifically? Do you find that something that really needs to be a focus specifically in Whitehorse? Yeah, absolutely. There was recently um, a presentation done by researchers at Yukon University. So it was David Gattensby, who is a student, and mm-hmm. Dr. Sarah McPhee Knowles, excuse me, and they. Their research was focused on talking to people that access the food bank. And one of the things that it showed was that people are actually relying on that food as their groceries rather than that being an emergency food basket. So people are actually planning around what they know they will get in those grocery hampers on a monthly basis and accessing the food bank month to month, which shows that there are people that are struggling in, in a pretty profound way. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
there are, well, groceries everywhere are expensive right now, but let alone if you're traveling from, you know, a community five hours outside of Whitehorse that, you know, maybe doesn't have a grocery store, which is really a reality up here. So there are lots of different things that make it challenging and difficult and lots of things to navigate. So taking, you know, even one or two of those away, I think, has the ability to have an impact. And obviously, this is a new project, um, Mm -hmm. but we do hope to measure those sorts of things and adjust because really... I always kind of say, like, of course, I have to pay my bills, but it's really about making food accessible to people. I'm really passionate about food security and meeting people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And also just that food should be a human right and should be accessible to everyone. So we do, I don't know, a little part to try to make things just a little bit easier to folks. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed by the spectrum of services that you provide at, at, at Sunrise Nutrition, meal prep and planning, grocery store tours, infant feeding, feeding for picky eaters and all sorts of things. Can you tell us about some of these? I particularly want to learn what is meant by a grocery store tour. Can you tell us about, you know, some of the, some of these services that you think are having an impact in, in your marketplace? Yeah. So grocery store tours is a great place to start, Rick. Um, Basically what that is, is I meet people at the front of the grocery store and we do a grocery shopping trip together. Um, We talk about things like, you know, learning how to pick out uh, freshness of certain produce, budget tips in every section of the grocery store. I always share information about you know, how to pick out the best dairy alternative for folks that can't or don't prefer not to have like cow's milk or cow's dairy, label reading, all sorts of things. Like there's really a ton that goes into food and nutrition and making food choices that we take for granted and that we're not taught about in other places, unfortunately, Um, that can make a real impact on people's budgets and health. So that's been really fun. We actually offered grocery store tours as part of the Healthy Babies, Healthy Futures program during Nutrition Month this year and had really amazing upkeep or uptake of that. And I got to go through the grocery store with all sorts of moms who have all sorts of families and, and little kiddos with them. And I'm just in awe at the art that is grocery shopping with an infant. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we had really great feedback and really great experience doing those. Do you have a grocery store hack, a favorite hack that you could share with with our audience? (laughs) What's something Mm -hmm. we can do to get the most value or what what, what stunt does the grocery store, does the grocery store industry do that we should be able to see through? Oh gosh, there are so many. One of them is definitely like I try to be environmentally friendly, but a good thing to know is that the packaged sets of cucumbers or sets of bell peppers, especially in the produce section, really do save you a lot of money. Uh, I know that that is maybe an assumption that people make, but I know a lot of people who kind of assume that but really aren't sure and ask me that question. So definitely I paid three eighteen for a single bell pepper the other day. Oh my goodness. And you can get a pack of four for six dollars. So um it definitely does make a difference. And then 
a couple of good tricks. One is just in whatever aisle you're in, um, looking at the top shelf and the bottom shelf because grocery stores and stores in general tend to keep the more expensive items at eye level. I feel I, mean, I should have known that. <laughs> that seems so obvious when I hear it, but I didn't know that. Right? And like, these are just things that I know or catch on to because I'm in the grocery store eight days a week and live and breathe this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems simple, but it's also an easy thing to overlook, right? Yeah, those are those are fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. And then actually one other one that I always say, and this goes for like using coupons and using, um, thinking about like some of the prepared foods versus fresh foods and all of those things is really to think about balancing cost versus convenience Mm -hmm. and making allowances for yourself to buy the convenient thing if that is what you're going to be able to eat. I think there's a lot of pressure to not use those convenient options, but they fit into life and that is how we need to be able to eat. And also if you are, so even like I was talking to a family about this the other day is like a bagged salad versus like getting lettuce and the ingredients. And I was saying like, if you buy that bagged salad, even if it costs a little bit more than doing it the other way, but you use that bagged salad, then it's cheaper. It's cheaper because you haven't bought all of those ingredients that cost less maybe in the dollar value but then you throw away half a thing of spinach and you throw away one of the four tomatoes and you like it, it really has to be cost versus convenience and food is not cheaper if you don't use it. Excellent and point. Thank you. You're noting some of like the challenges of eating healthily, not having the time, throwing half your food out. What are some of the other challenges that the folks that you work with identify when they come to you? I mean, the biggest barriers that people pretty consistently state budget for sure is one of them but it depends on the population Mm -hmm. um time is the other those are the two by far the two that are mentioned the most time and money and then the other one too is just capacity Mm -hmm. and especially for the mental health community When it comes to, you know, people with depression or anxiety or even things like autism spectrum, ADHD, it's not as simple as just plan, prep, cook, eat. And Mm -hmm. so navigating the sort of nuanced ways that make those, those challenges easier is something that takes support. And Mm -hmm. that, that is also by far one of the things that we sort of help people troubleshoot through. Absolutely. I know even when I try to meal plan, I struggle to think of meals, healthy meals to make. So even just that first step can be quite difficult. Just thinking about those meals, thinking about what you're going to do. It takes a lot of time and effort to get to that stage even. Absolutely. And it is definitely a balance of like variety and sort of safe foods or safe like familiar, I guess, is the word, options. One tip that I have for you then, Paige, would be as you, especially as you try new recipes and things like that, make a list and keep it on your fridge of your go-to recipes, Mm -hmm. whether it's the things that you make all the time that are like 
you know, eight to 10 things, um, write those out and then add as you try new recipes, your make again recipes. Because then when you have the dreaded what's for dinner question, you have somewhere to go for ideas. Mm-hmm. That's Again, it sounds really simple, but it makes a really big difference just having that sort of catalog of tried and true and, you know, realistic. Yeah, I feel like I can spend forever just scrolling through different recipes. So that's that's a great idea. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, also just do what you need to do and accommodate yourself in the ways that you need to, even on that list. Um, I have had people that I suggest this to and then come back to me in a couple months for a follow-up appointment and say like, oh, I'm adding notes to my list now. And, and each recipe, I keep track of whether it's a kid friendly recipe or whether it's a date night recipe mm-hmm. and whether it's uh, like a time-saving recipe or a weekend recipe right. um, so that even in those situations like it just gets easier and easier but it really has to work for you and your family and household right looking at your practice as a business I'm just wondering you know, how, what you do now at Sunrise Nutrition, how has that sort of changed, if it has, from what your initial uh, thoughts were? And what parts of it do you see? Yeah, th- hey, this is really taking off. I'm going to double down on this part of it. What would, like, I, I, I guess I'm asking, you know, what, what gaps in the marketplace did you find that, that you're able to uh, compensate for and, 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 and really have an impact? Great question. I have been lucky enough to be able to bring another dietitian onto my team, which has been amazing. Her name is Hannah Wilkie, and she is a dietitian as well. And so one thing that I sort of thought or assumed for myself moving into private practice was that I would be doing, you know, primarily one-on-one nutrition counseling. There is definitely a need for that, and it is something that both Hannah and I are doing and taking on new clients, but I am also very passionate about community-based nutrition and preventative um, healthcare in general. And so a big piece that is really a pretty profound need is supporting the communities in the Yukon. And so I've had the amazing opportunity to partner with First Nations governments, I've had my first two trips out of Whitehorse now up to Beaver Creek, um, which is one of our quite remote communities Mm -hmm. um, in northern Yukon. And so that is something that I really hope to be doing more of and really, really see a need for is providing nutrition education, food programming, access to a dietitian, especially diabetes education and support on the ground in the communities, mm-hmm. um, especially because even the programs that are accessible to those folks are often virtual. They're often over the phone or over telemedicine, or people have to travel to Whitehorse to access those. And I am so lucky that as a business owner, I get to make the choice to offer those things in person and in the communities and for myself get the little added perk of getting to meet people in person, which is amazing, and to get to see 
see the Yukon, travel to Yukon, and also to better understand and be able to help folks when I'm there. Because you really don't know the situation that people are facing until you see, you know, what their corner store that is the only quote-unquote grocery store really carries mm-hmm. um, and how many people, you know, what what are the actual living situations of the people living in those communities and what does actual life and actual routine look like in those communities. And I think I'm able to have a bigger impact by doing that. Mm-hmm. So I hope. And so, so who are your clients in that case? Like the, does a community break bring you in or a health unit? Yeah, so generally, or thus far anyways, it's been the First Nations government. Ah. Um, so in Beaver Creek, White, White River First Nation, um, I guess their health and wellness branch reached out to me. And so they sort of plan and coordinate with me and then all of the services, both nutrition counseling and like we've done some fun things. We did Well, we just did a diabetes education session. And then we also did like a, almost like an Iron Chef competition. Fun. Um, We called it What's Cooking Beaver Creek. (laughs) And teams were able to register. And then the challenge was to shop in their corner store and come up with a creative, fun, delicious idea that was as balanced as possible. And so, yeah, just fun things like that. And then all of the programming, one-on-one cult consults, everything are then accessed for free by community members. Awesome. And can you speak at all to an example of any impact that, that you've made? You know, are, are we able to see that, you know, you've brought new information to people that are changing the way they buy food or the way they cook it or the way they plan their meals? Yeah, well, I think one, I mean, maybe this is not the example that you're expecting me to say. One of the sort of profound instances that I have been able to tell that I'm making an impact, I had a a First Nations elder in one of the communities meet with me. And when he first came into his appointment, he was very quiet, very apprehensive. Um, I am a white person walking into these communities. And so I understand totally where that comes from. And in this particular community, I was able to, at my appointments, like have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee with these folks as we did their appointment. And so he just started over his cup of coffee chatting with me about life, and that was fine. I didn't expect at this point to get a whole lot accomplished health-wise in his appointment. But by the end of it, we had a really good connection, and he actually ended up, we got a little bit of nutrition stuff done. At the end of his appointment, he actually said, like, I guess I need to give you a hug now. And (laughs) gave me a hug and told me that I better be coming back and that he would be booking an appointment. That's beautiful. Um, it, yeah. it was a How really, did that make you feel? That, yeah, it was really striking. Like, it really just stopped me in my tracks a little bit because I really felt in that situation that this was someone who would not otherwise have accessed health services. And that is the case for all sorts of people that are underrepresented or underappreciated, really, is the right word. Um, in our communities, whether it's First Nations folks or LGBTQ folks or, you know, any of those intersectionalities. And I'm just really honored that I can in some way be considered a safe person. And yeah, that that has been the most really affirming 
experience that I've had so far. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Would you be able to speak, I guess, a little bit more about the philosophy of your work? I know you kind of described what you do as non-judgmental, trauma-informed, gender-affirming, and inclusive. What does that look like in practice for you? Yeah, I think really I've I've shared some examples, Mm -hmm. but I think it really just speaks to we hear in in healthcare this term like person-centered care a lot and in just the social support world, I guess. But really what that comes down to is just meeting people where they're at. And for, again, for all of these groups, it means that we in in Canada, in this, this place we call Canada, really have this these societal expectations and really they come down to how do you compare to a you know upper middle class white family with a white picket fence and that is not what most people's lives look like Mm -hmm. and so it really means like taking the time to learn about how people's lives look different than that and therefore how our systems are not meeting their needs and trying to adjust what you do to meet their needs instead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think really it sounds like it should be simple and really it is simple and it's too bad that more groups and systems and businesses don't look at it that way because I think really you just need to take the time. So is that a business opportunity to to think about being more context-focused, diversity and inclusion-focused for many businesses? I think so. And I think it's funny. I recently saw probably a TikTok video that was somebody saying that, like, the relationship between millennials and Gen Z or the the younger folks Mm -hmm. is that, like, everybody's looking at millennials thinking, like, oh, my gosh, you guys are crazy and trying to change systems and especially older folks um and gen z looks at millennials like you are the parents that are reparenting the world right now and trying to break down these systems and then there are millennials like me who are looking at gen z being like you guys are the freaking superheroes that Mm -hmm. i wish i could be at your age and i think that not to be blunt but like we are advocating and we are and by we i mean like society and people that fall into these categories like society is only gonna get more queer and more black and more disabled and more all of those things and are advocating hard for all of those groups and i think if businesses are not willing to change and willing to meet those people where they're at then they're not going to be successful businesses I think we're very slowly, very, very slowly, but starting to get there to the point where it's not an option and people that aren't on board with progress and acceptance and compassion and all of those things are going to be left behind. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So well said. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. You've worked with so many groups and, and communities. You worked with gymnastics teams and, and in the First Nations communities, as you said. Um, how do you get into that collaboration? How do you, you know, break the ice? How do you how do you earn those hugs? 
<laughs> Great question. I think partly, well, especially in the Yukon, we're still small enough and close-knit enough, and there is definitely enough of a Yukon born and raised and sort of community up here that word of mouth is incredibly important. People always chuckle from down south because I say, like, I still put up paper posters <laughs> um, outside of coffee shops and all of those things. And like even social media, like Facebook up here is still the main social media in many ways for the community and for community communication and stuff like that. So word of mouth is huge. And a big part of it is just doing the thing um, and having people see. And then also just reaching out to groups and telling them really just about what what we're doing and having, uh, I guess, giving them the opportunity to to start a dialogue if they want to. It's been, yeah, it's been really incredible. Like I've had a great community uptake. I've done a lot with Uconstruct as well, which has been an amazing ally in, in gaining some sort of publicity, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah. And then when, I guess also then when I do meet with people, really being cognizant of what it is that that group needs and what it is that like every every presentation that I do is, even if it's on some similar topics, is completely curated to that group. And so making it really specific and really helpful for each person, I think, is what gives us good results and, and gives people making recommendations and things. Right. And can I ask you, you mentioned about food availability, and obviously it's uh, the far north. There are all kinds of distribution challenges everywhere in Canada, but probably it's a little tougher still. Are there is is there anyone making progress with with food accessibility uh, in in the Yukon? Are there organizations that have figured things out? Is anyone doing the fish farming and uh, hydroponic stuff to try and create fresher food on site up there? Anything interesting happening in in, in these areas? Yeah, good question. There is. So a couple of different things, I guess. We have a really cool business up here called Cold Acre, and they do hydroponic microgreens, greens, and herbs that are in shipping containers, Ah. um, which is very cool. We also have, like, we do have a very vibrant I would say pretty vibrant, um, like small scale farming community and also like small scale food service and bakeries and things like that. We have a really amazing farmer's market that is really, really a community hub in the summer months, which is awesome. And then I think, oh, and then the other organization is actually the food bank. Um, So obviously... The food bank is supposed to be, as I said, an emergency outlet and is supposed to be a band-aid to sort of bridge us to system change. And I think at the end of the day, we really do need some significant system change of food systems in Canada. But what the food bank is doing, there's an an organization, I guess, called Yukon Energy Food Network. And that position basically coordinates efforts between like Yukon Anti-Poverty Coalition, Yukon Food Bank, and then all of these sort of smaller food bank 
type programs in the communities and has actually significantly increased access to food bank campers in all of the communities in the Yukon. There's actually distribution of those food bank campers from Whitehorse into the communities now. And that was an initiative that really took off during the pandemic. And that, because there is a dedicated person in that coordination position, is really able to like share knowledge between the communities and share and communicate what's working and what's not working and sort of coordinate the efforts across the Yukon, which is new and exciting. Mm-hmm. A lot of exciting stuff going on there. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. It's the Yukon is a pretty, it's definitely a pretty quirky place. Um, <laughs> that we are known for that and I don't think that is ever going to go away but it is also like such an innovative and such a like really inspiring community and business ecosystem to be working in I've been incredibly lucky and I don't think I would have the business that I have here anywhere else so yeah I sense this real natural feeling or instinct for collaboration when I was there. That, 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 that's like a way of life as opposed to over my dead body in some Canadian cities. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there is a real culture of let's figure it out. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. That's awesome. And uh, I, I guess just our last question for you, what's next? What's next for Sunrise Nutrition um, and the health of the Canadians and folks that you work with? What are you looking forward to in the future? Yeah. Um, great question, Paige. I am the type of person that has too many ideas um, <laughs> and has to pick one at a time. And so a couple months ago, my answer would have been the grocery baskets that I'm doing now. And and I guess that would still be my answer, mm-hmm. um, is that this grocery basket project is very new. And so I'm interested to see how it continues to go. I know that there is also a really big need for meal planning and meal prep support. And I do envision these grocery baskets potentially turning into something that looks more like, well, I always intend to have the grocery baskets available, but I think the next sort of part of this project mm-hmm. um, might be adding something more similar to like what HelloFresh um, okay. does. So sort of more meal kit mm-hmm. um, inspired versions to really capitalize on that time saving piece for people. And I think like having having worked for the last couple of years with the Healthy Babies Healthy Futures program and seeing yeah, seeing some of the challenges that families face, that that is sort of the next thing that has my my heart and my passion in it. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. I noticed on your website that you do do, I guess, virtual cons- consultations and you'll work with people from Ontario and, and, and BC and several other provinces. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about the magic knowledge that you have? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, So we are on social media. My handle, I guess, is sunrisenutrition.yt for Yukon um, on Instagram and Facebook. And then the best way really to reach out is through our website 
at www.sunrisenutrition.ca. Amazing. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Jolene. I feel like you gave me a few tips <laughs> on how to create a nutritious meal, but it's absolutely been wonderful to hear what you're doing and all of the amazing things that you plan to do in the future. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for me as well, Jolene. You're, you're, you're doing amazing and I can't wait to see what you do next. Hope to see you guys in the Yukon sometime. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to join us throughout June or catch up with all our Pridecasts on the website this month. Diversity and inclusion have never been more important. Beyond these stories, be sure to check out Startup Canada and the CGLCC's Resource Guide, a new feature that includes expert knowledge, tools, and information at startupcan.ca. The CGLCC is proud to offer tools and programs to make Canada a more inclusive economy. Learn more about our supplier diversity program and out for business mentorship program for 2S LGBTQI plus entrepreneurs aged 18 to 39 and Rainbow Register, the only official accreditation for 2S LGBTQI plus friendly businesses across Canada at cglcc.ca.